I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the Middle East. On this armistice day, as we honour millions killed during the First World War, the irony of Western powers refusing to support a ceasefire in Palestine after the killing of over 10,000 in the besieged Gaza Strip is clear. Demonstrations are ongoing today all around the world against NATO nation leaders funding the slaughter and who continue to dismiss pleas from not just the UN Secretary General but aid agencies, human rights lawyers and the people. Tariq Ali has fought against imperial wars all his life, novel playwright, TV and film producer, historian, friend of the late John Lennon and celebrated in the Rolling Stones as street fighting man. He joins me from London. It's where tens of thousands are on the streets to end the NATO nation armed bombing off Gaza. Tarek, thanks so much for coming back on. Uh, happy birthday. I know it was a, a week or so ago, but uh, tell me why you're celebrating the uh, institutionally corrupt, I think there was called in a recent report, and institutionally racist, famously, uh, Scotland Yard today. Uh, as they march for peace? Well, Afshin, it's not every day that one has to say in public that, thank God, we have a police chief, a uh, metropolitan police commissioner, who refuses to accept extremely rash and extremist advice from the Home Secretary, uh, Suella uh, uh, Braverman. Uh, and it's, it's fantastic that the police have done this because they know, A, that our march wasn't going anywhere near the cenotaph, B, the cenotaph events would be over, uh, and C, it's impossible to stop because they're predicting nearly half a million people to be present or, uh, today. We will get the count. But uh, it was a crazy attempt to stop it, and I'm very glad people are out on the streets. Yeah, no one is in a France, marches. France tried to ban the demonstrations there. The United States, of course, has that constitution which guarantees the right to uh, demonstrate. But I suppose when you mention these British politicians that may not be known all around the world, uh, why is it that politicians there, politicians in Western Europe, let alone politicians in the United States, seem to echo... Well, I asked Professor Ilan Pape on last week's show, the, echo the lack of compassion for the people of Gaza. What, why is this? Well, I think in the case of Britain, it's very clear. Britain has for a very long time now, and even more so after the Iraq war, which was a disaster for them, uh, decided to back the United States in every single thing. And sometimes they say it openly, we can't call for a ceasefire unless we get the green light to do so from the United States, i.e., if when the United States does it, uh, we, will, we will follow them. So they behave on the television screens uh, and in the media in general as people who don't care a damn about anything. I mean, how can you remain silent when you see thousands and thousands of people being killed over the last few weeks? How can you? And Starmer, the so-called leader of the opposition, just as bad as the prime minister and lots of Labour Party councillors are resigning from the Labour Party. In Oxford, for instance, Labour has lost its majority on the council because of Starmer's positions on Gaza. It's one thing they had never thought, that there would be another form of resistance, that it would take on huge uh, stature in the world, and that Israel would not be seen as the victim. 
but the Palestinians. And this they hadn't guaranteed for. They thought it was over. Um, Netanyahu going to the United Nations and showing a map of the uh, occupied West Bank and Gaza and saying this is part of the map of Israel. That's how arrogant this far-right government in Israel had got, and the United States refused to stop it. They went along with this, because the only power in the world who could stop Israel within uh, 24 hours is the United States. When they say we can't, they're lying. They've done it before. Afshin, uh, you recall in 1957, when Israel first occupied Gaza, President Eisenhower, who was the president then, asked them to get out. Uh, they'd been there for four months. They prevaricated and he threatened sanctions. Within a few weeks, they were out of Gaza. So they're de very dependent on the United States, despite the Israel lobby. And if the Pentagon and White House said, we need you to get out quickly, they would do so. The notion that they wouldn't is, I mean, if they didn't, they'd be threatened and that would create a huge crisis in Israel and bring Netanyahu down. Well, Eisenhower comes up uh, in, a, in a question I will ask you more about uh, the USS Eisenhower warship being sent, uh, actually, rather than what happened in the uh, 1950s. Is there a real blowback uh, tension between the people versus the elites that run these countries in Western Europe? I know with Vietnam, Harold Wilson didn't uh, do what the United States wanted them to do as regards Vietnam, which you, of course, opposed famously in the 60s. Today... I mean, the whole of Western Europe is on side firmly with uh, Washington's foreign policy, and yet the people seem completely out of step with their leaders. Totally. And these opinion polls in Britain now for the last four weeks have shown 70% in favour of an immediate ceasefire, which is huge. So what is affecting is that democratic functioning in the Western countries, the EU and the UK, is being affected because what they're saying to their own people uh, is we are going to carry on doing this. The people are saying we withdraw our consent from you for doing this and they're saying we don't care. So we'll see what happens, whether they'll be punished in the elections or people will have forgotten. But it's noticeable now in every single European country, including France and Germany that had banned the demonstrations, the governments have been forced to step back and there have been huge demonstrations everywhere. Britain has been amazing on this. And that's partially because we set up the Stop the War coalition and the Palestine Solidarity Campaign has been in action for a long, long time, and uh, they could mobilize very fast. But not just in London, where there have been huge demos and are huge demos, but in uh, provincial capitals, in, in Glasgow, in Manchester, in Cardiff, elsewhere, large numbers of people have come out. The two countries in Europe that are exceptional are Spain and Ireland which have come out for immediate sanctions, and a cabinet minister in uh, Spain has called for Netanyahu to be arrested by the criminal court and charged with war crimes. Uh, the Arab world, of course, we know, is a disaster story as far as the rulers are concerned. Yeah, before we go on to that, the, gl the global context... With the exception, I have to say, of the Queen of Jordan. 
she has spoken up very effectively uh, against what is going on in Gaza and full marks to her. Okay, but uh, given how much uh, we all know about the uh, propaganda model, and our best wishes to Noam Chomsky, I understand he's not well at the moment, uh, how is it this consciousness about what is happening in Gaza, the Palestine question itself, has, uh, is there? in Western Europe and the United States, if the so-called Israel lobby, which involves music, it bans celebrities from coming out from Palestine, but that's not even stopped some celebrities coming out for it. Its influence on publishing, on literature, on, uh, as I said, music, on film. How is it uh, the public know what's wrong and what's right here? Well, there are two reasons for this, in my opinion. A, the existence of non-Western media. I would say Al Jazeera is pretty important on this front, that you have non-Western television stations, both in uh, Europe and the Middle East and in China, you know, the Chinese broadcasters do, uh, which are showing different images. And that's very important, which is why when Blinken recently went to Qatar, he asked the Qatari leaders to control, bring Al Jazeera under control. But they, they don't even want to do it, and they don't do it, because Al Jazeera is sort of the jewel in the crown of these Gulf states, whether they like it or not. So Al Jazeera has been important, and then the Internet has been important. Alternative images coming in from the battlefields, which are very different from what is being shown by the BBC and ITV channels. And secondly, even the young know that there is something deeply unjust about the treatment of Palestinians by the Israelis. The Judeocide Holocaust effect is wearing off. They can't use that cynically as they did for many, many decades. And uh, the, the, the proof of that is in these amazing demonstrations by young American Jewish kids carrying pro-Palestine banners, calling for a ceasefire, occupying Grand Central Station, occupying the lobbies of the House of Representatives. That's very moving. So when their own people who support they took for granted, like the young Jewish population in the United States, or a fairly sizable chunk of them, start operating like this, then there is reason for them to panic because it means you can't depend on this for too much longer. Of course, it doesn't stop the mainstream news channels, uh, corporate news channels. No. Mainstream. Talking about ISIS and comparing Hamas to ISIS, I mean, do you think there are similarities between the UK, US, Western Europe, EU and ISIS, given their arming... Uh, the bombing of Gaza rather than Hamas being part of ISIS? Um, the links of these countries with ISIS... I mean, in terms of know, brutality, that we see the images and seemingly the hospitals being blown up and then Antony Blinken and uh, Sunak and Schultz saying we've got to not have a ceasefire. I know. Well, I mean, uh, the reason they don't want to cease fire because it means a frontal confrontation with uh, Netanyahu and his government. And uh, the blaming of Hamas is a bit ingenious. Because, I mean, 
You know, this is not a war that started on October the 7th. This is a war that has started many, many decades ago. And October the 7th is just one phase of the war. Liberation movements act according to their own will, their own strategy. Those in solidarity with the Palestinians can't justify everything uh, done, and they don't need to. What they are demanding, and what we are demanding is a fair and just settlement in Palestine. And that means, really does mean, that the settlers armed by the Israeli government, we now know, and going and creating mayhem where, uh, uh, on the West Bank, have to be booted out. That is the only basis for a settlement. Take the settlers back to uh, your part of uh, 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 Israel. Otherwise, how can they ever get an independent state, which in, in any event, the Netanyahu government and its predecessors have no real interest in granting at all. They thought they'd had it in the bag. And then October the 7th happened, which was a big strategic blow for them. Don't underestimate it. All their work of saying, no, we are good, no Hamas are terrorists, no, has gone with these big demonstrations. Very few people are saying Hamas is to blame, even though people attack the, uh, the way in which they dealt with the, uh, the kibbutzim, etc. But no one serious is saying they are the cause of this, except the total government stooges and pro-government media in the West. Because everyone knows that's not true. Tarek Ali, I'll stop you there. More from the renowned writer whose latest book is Winston Churchill, His Times, His Crimes, after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the New Left Reviews, Tarek Ali. Tarek, uh, we were talking about October the 7th and history not beginning on October the 7th. You're a historian as well. You know how important it is that uh, the powerful often try to erase history. Do you think the Japanese-owned Financial Times recognised that when they compared the resistance movement, the Palestinian resistance movement, to uh, the Vietnamese resistance movement? I don't think whether they understood that uh, the Vietnamese actually won that war. Um, is that why the Israelis are not going in and the ground offensive uh, as uh, so-called military analysts on so-called mainstream media have been telling us uh, for weeks? The Israelis don't want to lose too many of their soldiers. Uh, Afshan, this has always been a big priority for Israel. Uh, the number of people of Jewish origin or Jews they can keep uh, in Israel. And losing even 10, one prime minister said decades ago, is 10 too many. So when they say this is the worst crisis since the Holocaust, that's rubbish. But it certainly is the worst crisis since 1948 and the Nakba, when there was a resistance uh, led largely and unfortunately by Arab monarchs and kings under British control. And it didn't work. So um, the that is the fact. So they try and cover for their losses and for them to go in and try and occupy the whole of Gaza and ethnically cleanse or genocide the Palestinians 
would unleash a broader conflict. I think despite their talks with the United States, the secret talks, the Iranians would not be able to keep Hezbollah out of that conflict because, you know, Hezbollah are not just Iranian stooges. They are also a major political force in Lebanon. So once you have the war being expanded by the Israelis, through sending in their army and taking Gaza effectively, it won't stop there. And some of the more serious Israeli generals are only too aware of this. They won't say it, they'll say it after they retire, which is the way they do it. But um, that, I think, is uh, is why they're delaying this, because, you know, Hamas and its allies in Gaza have been prepared for this. They didn't do this thinking it would all go away. Suddenly, they are prepared for the long haul. Well, it's definitely centre stage again when it was thought to have been forgotten. Uh, we heard uh, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, claiming that peace had been brought to the Middle East uh, a few weeks before October the 7th. What are these USS warships? Aircraft carrier. I mean, I thought Israel was the United States' aircraft carrier, according to secret documents. What, what is the Eisenhower and the Gerald Ford doing in the Eastern Mediterranean? Well, I mean, the function is to, it's a shot across the bow to the Iranians, uh, to say to the Iranians, look, here we are. If the Iranian state intervenes in any way, which, by the way, I think is extremely unlikely. We're here to defend Israel. Uh, but also, it's to say to Hezbollah, we're here. And if you now go into this war to try and help the Palestinians, you'll have us to deal with. Well, the Americans have said this before. And one of their biggest disasters actually was in the Lebanon. Uh, some decades ago, when an entire marine base in the country was blown up. So it's made them more careful. So they can say this, they can destroy countries, but in hand-to-hand -hand fighting uh, and commandos and marines on the ground, it's not at all sure who would win, them or Hezbollah. I mean, they could destroy Lebanon from the air. I mean, they've destroyed many countries <coughs> or parts of many cities. Uh, uh, in that way, but it will then make things difficult for those who are aligned to the United States. I mean, on the one hand, the United States have been trying very hard to try and get uh, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and others have already succeeded to recognize Israel. This has halted that process. I mean, even in the Maghrabian countries, they're considering whether to maintain relations with Israel. The South Africans have uh, sent the ambassador back, uh, and Latin American countries, three or four, have broken off relations. So it's not going well on that level. So they have to bear that in mind, because they've already, the Ukraine thing, isolated them with the, uh, as far as the South was concerned. Even India, which is very pro the United States, refused to back sanctions against Russia, as did most of Africa and m many other countries. So th that showed the big divide between the old and present colonial powers and the rest of the world. This thing will be even bigger because if they escalate the war, if they use American troops, don't bank on Sisi 
to bail you out because Egypt is in a rage at the moment because of what's going on already. And Even he didn't meet President Biden. Have you ever heard of an Egyptian president since Egyptian independence refusing to meet a sitting U.S. president? I think the reason for that is that uh, there were objections from others. The Jordanian king was very angry. And he said, he was the first to say, I don't want to sit down at the table with these people. And then it became difficult for the others to say, no, but we're happy to sit down with them. I mean, only the other day, uh, Abbas, this puppet president of the Palestinian No Authority, uh, was shaking hands with Blinken. I mean, they're shameless, the, the Palestinian Authority. And that's the other side, uh, which we haven't discussed, Afshan, is that the fracturing of the resistance after the Oslo Accords was a huge blow for Palestinian liberation. And despite repeated requests from within his own ranks, Abbas refuses to go. I mean, it'd be a huge difference if Hanan Ashrawi was the president of the PLO and not uh, this old guy who gets, you know, plumper and plumper as the money pours in, building their own homes and houses, ignoring the needs of the Palestinians, collaborating, locking up Palestinians. This should end now. Yeah, people can watch our interview with uh, Hanan Ashrawi. Uh, Abbas has never, never come on, and of course, is paid by the Israelis uh, and the Americans. But then, on guerrilla warfare, they, they, they struck Afghanistan. You've written about Afghanistan uh, with warplanes, and still, guerrilla warfare beat the Americans. Can guerrilla yeah. warfare uh, in Palestine and in the region beat? Biden's uh, navy and air forces that are all being summoned, uh, some say in the largest armada in history now, uh, in this region? Can they be beaten? I think the largest armada is largely gathering to uh, show people back home and the Israelis that we are with you. Don't worry. We will safeguard you. But since no one is actually threatening the existence of Israel, uh, it's slightly foolish, this. Look, this notion that Israel is somehow under threat is crazy. It's a nuclear state. It's armed to the teeth by the United States and the uh, European Union. There's no equality between them and the Palestinians at all. They're the dominant power with the sixth largest army in the world. So what are they? Who is threatening them? Nobody. Uh, so this is effectively uh, terror and fear tactics on the Arabs uh, that, the, you know, we're here, we back Israel. Well, if you're here and you come out of your ships and you go on the land, yeah, there will be all sorts of warfare. I can't predict it. I'm not in the, you know, confidence of the people who will fire. I mean, I don't deal with them. But there's bound to be something like that. And even in Afghanistan, where they had huge power, they were scared of um, uh, bombs placed and detonators placed on the roads, etc., which did, did uh, cause casualties uh, on the Western side. Operation Enduring Freedom, you remember that was called. And the same will happen in the Middle East if they go in just like that. 
because they assume that Egypt will remain loyal to Sisi, and Sisi does as well, and the repression in Egypt already is at its highest levels, much, much worse than under the Hosni Mubarak regime. So, but that doesn't work, you know, numbers count. So if you have a million people out on the streets, you begin to break up the police and you begin to break up the army because with so many millions out, they have relations. They are poor people. They have relations who are policemen. They have relations who are soldiers. And slowly the thing spreads. That's what happened in many places in Algeria, in Vietnam, in other liberation struggles. And that will happen in the Middle East if there's an escalation by the West. And just finally, really, I mean, arguably, you only have Sunak in power over there in Britain because Israel helped to uh, manipulate your general elections, uh, using the phrase anti-Semitism. Do you think one other aspect of this uh, terrible, terrible, tragic tragedy in Gaza is that anti-Semitism can no longer be weaponized in the same way to alter the results of general elections in Western Europe and even in the United States? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that uh, what happened in Britain was a systematic attempt by the British state and the bulk of the parliamentary Labour Party and the Conservatives and the media to make sure Corbyn, Jeremy Corbyn, was removed as leader of the Labour Party. Why? Because of what's, let's see what's going on now. Had Corbyn been leader of the Labour Party, its line would not have been what it is now. And they used anti-Semitism, so-called charges of anti-Semitism. And even at that time, I said in public that Jeremy made a huge mistake in accepting the... Um, IEHRC or whatever it's called, uh, as the arbiter of what constitutes anti-Semitism. They didn't fight back at the time and challenged them, but they can't do that now. That's obvious. I mean, you know, people are defying Starmer uh, in, in different parts of the country, and they know they can't use that. They'll still try and get rid of others who they don't like, but using that particular charge now becomes very difficult here and in the United States, where the Jewish kids who've marched have shown real courage and said, we speak for the Jews, not Biden. I mean, that's quite astonishing. So I think from that point of view, the Solidarity Movement role has been very positive in ending this fear of being denounced as anti-Semites. Tarek Ali, thank you. And that's it for the show, and condolences from the whole team here at Going Underground to those bereaved by the ongoing violence in the Middle East. There will be more Gaza on Monday's show. Until then, keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com, to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.